think the distinction of settling for substitutes mm-hmm. instead of gladness, because again, we're we're all for watching a good soccer game, a yes. great football game, or right. mm-hmm. a good movie, or enjoying a good meal. But when that becomes the the peak of our joy, mm. and we keep trying to get that, mm. and so we have to go to another good restaurant or escape to another book that we're missing the richer, fuller thing that can come from the re- relationships around the meal or sharing yeah. a football game with a friend. And and so we're, again, like you said, manufacturing pleasure that is maybe a fix. And again, maybe a fix for something deeper. It ain't always pretty. Greetings, Redeemer family, and welcome back to Redeemer Radio. I am Ross, joined again by Dan and Sean. And speaking of emotions, we are a little sad today, as this is our last episode of the season. And with um, adult Sunday school starting back up at the church and going into summer, uh, we are going to be taking a break from the podcast for a while and kind of rethinking through how we might um, go forward with it in the future and, and what ways to do that best speaking of that we do appreciate any feedback on that um, if this has been a helpful medium for you um, and an encouraging uh, space for you uh, we would love to hear if that's true and and if there's any ways we could um, continue doing this podcast in the future um, and how best to do that so this is our last episode for this season and for a while for redeemer radio Um, on a different note I was just curious, Dan and Sean, how much gas do you guys have in your tanks these days? You, do you you guys have enough gas in your cars? No, um, but I we I live seven minutes away from the church, and so I am I I, I put my car in neutral and rolled down Strickland Road nice. a little ways under the speed limit, and I think I made the person mad. Yes, behind I've been me, driving but, uh, very differently yeah. myself. Was that you behind me, Ross? That was honking. It was not yeah. me, just, but just kidding. Well, it was the first time. I think I've ever heard of a youth group or an event being canceled for gas shortages last night. Yeah, we canceled our small groups last night because there was a few folks who said they weren't going to be able to make it because of the gas shortage, and I just hadn't even considered that as a reason to cancel small. Anyway, Yeah, we'll get through it together. That's right. That's right. Just well, don't. I have enough. If you need a ride, just let me know. I'll just siphon it. Right. Dan car. was able to fill up yesterday. Yeah. I went at 11 p.m. last night. Wow. And I got a couple gallons. I stayed in line for a while and listened to a podcast, and it was fun and. But uh, and I was asleep for about an hour. Nice, nice. <laughs> All right. So um, today we are talking about gladness. Um, this is the eighth um, in the eight feelings chart that we've been working through in intersection with the Psalms. So we are talking about gladness today. And uh, Chip Dodd, who wrote the book Voice of the Heart that we've been using some, he has a frequently asked questions section of his book. And one of the first questions is, why is only one feeling of the eight positive? Which is a question, when I was first exposed to this a few years ago, that was my immediate reaction is, you know, I guess this list is kind of cool, but it's also kind of depressing. Seven of the eight feelings are negative. This is his response to that. He says, actually, each feeling is positive because of where it can lead. Some say feelings aren't good or bad, they just are. That's not true. All eight feelings are good. However, when I behave irresponsibly with my feelings, what I do with those feelings can certainly be 
evaluated. So Dan and Sean, I was just curious what y'all's reactions are to that idea. Do you guys agree, disagree? How does that hit you? I mostly agree. Uh, and I think he has helped me think particularly of the one that jumps out at me is how guilt can be a positive emotion. In other mm. words, that it leads you to repentance and forgiveness. Yeah. So while it is negative in how you experience it, again, where it can lead, mm-hmm. and even anger being an emotion that can drive you to action. However, like you said, you know, we can't just do our emotions to people because right. that's when we can be sinful. I still would quibble. I'm not sold on his, um, completely sold on shame being a good emotion. Gotcha. Uh, so that's where I might quibble and still want to understand him more because I do think that's just the toxic nature of guilt mm-hmm. and making that our identity in a wrong way. But with his definitions, I see why he might do that. But mostly yeah. agree. Sean? Yeah, I think they... Um I think they serve as signposts, right? And they point to something that's true in our lives that we need to um, understand and evaluate and bring to God. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, loneliness leading to intimacy. Um, That, of of course, is a good thing when we realize that no, no relationship here could satisfy the, you know, what we desire in a relationship with God and what we were made for. Of course, that's a good thing. And even though it sounds bad because you're lonely, it points to a greater uh, reality, which is we were made for a relationship with him. And so, yeah, we can, we can see these things through a redemptive lens. We don't have to see mm-hmm. them through, uh, despair. Right. Yeah. I guess even pulling back the way you said it, it just makes you think like we live in a broken fallen world and God can use these things to make us more and more fully into his image. Mm. And so that even some of the, the negative side of what we feel as part of the curse, it can be redeemed. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think when I learned this a few years ago, it was it was there was a lot of ways that I was helped by that idea uh, because when you think of all of the emotions as being um, positive in a sense, it helps move us to engage them more, mm-hmm. to not ignore them, um, and thus it helps us to be informed by emotions. Um, and not controlled by them. Whether you are indulging in them or numbing them, they're still mm-hmm. controlling you on either side of that. And so it, when, you, when you're able to look at them in this sense that actually there's, they're positive, they're helpful, um, it moves you to engage in them, which brings you know, healing um, in many ways and, and leads to uh, more joy, which we're going to get into. Yeah, and I think... Showing them through the Psalms is really helpful for us because I do believe on a whole Christians shy away from the, the, the negative perception of some of these emotions. Yeah. So even if we've talked about this at the very beginning, in case you weren't with us, how a lot of Christian songs over the last you know, 10, 20, 30 years have all been kind of victory, not many laments, not mm-hmm. many sadness, and let, yet the Psalm has wrote tons of laments right. and sorrow. So I think that's a an area where we as followers of Jesus as the church need to grow. So I think this has been helpful to kind of dig into the scriptures and bring a little bit of corrective to our wanting to shy away from our emotions. Yeah. So, um, you know, Chip Dodd kind of commentating on his eight feelings chart that we shared in the first episode. He says, gladness is at the bottom of the list for a reason. No one truly has the full assurance of what gladness brings until he or she is well versed in the seven and the other seven feelings. 
So what do you guys make of that idea from Chip? Well, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about the Pixar movie Inside Out. Yeah. You know, and in there, Joy, the main character, kind of inner, the lead emotion, is trying to deny particularly sadness. And I think to know joy, we really have to know sadness. Yeah. You know, I mean, we. I think the whole idea, too, is to be homesick, you have to have home. Yeah. And so to be able to long for home, to be wanting to come back to your bed and your pillow and, you know, your house and just the comforts of it, you need to know absence. Yeah. And so I think there is a sense that when we're honest with these other things that are going in our life, it can make joy or gladness. We're going to kind of interchange those some all the sweeter and richer. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And and just to bring it back to our earlier point about redemption and and looking through a a redemptive lens, as we press into these things and see God meeting us in them, Mm -hmm. these, these other emotions, then we're able to experience a joy or gladness that transcends our experiences and our circumstances. Um, Because that's, that's the promise to us is that home is, is there for us, you know, after we, after we die and after Jesus comes back and Mm -hmm. um, that's our, that's what we hold on to as home and as hope. Um, and so as those other, as we press into these other things, see them through redemptive lenses. And as the Lord meets us in those things, um, we're able to actually experience, uh, a taste of gladness here and what we'll experience in fullness later. Yeah. Yeah. And as you were talking about the Psalms and all the Psalms of lament, Dan, it made me think of this. It kind of was a good segue into this quote from Chip, because when you think about how much, the Psalms deal with what we would quote call negative emotions, but then almost all of them, except Psalm 88 and Psalm 39, I think, end in joy. You know, Mm -hmm. Psalm 13 is one of the most popular Psalms of lament, but it ends in joy. Um, And so the Psalms model this reality that Chip is saying of just no one is truly the full assurance of what gladness brings until he is well-versed in the other seven feelings. And I think the Psalms show that this side of glory, this side of the fall, um, that, this idea that we can't selectively numb emotions. That's uh, something that Brene Brown has made very popular, that idea. When we numb the painful emotions, we numb the joy. She says, we can't make a list of all the bad emotions and say, I'm going to numb these, and then make a list of the positive emotions and say, I'm going to fully engage in these. Um, That's just not how reality works. And and I've seen that at work in my own life. Um, You know, I can struggle to enter sometimes entered into deeper relationships with people because of the fear of when things go deeper and more intimate or whatever, or there's, there's more of a bond made. There's the fear of pain that there's a deeper pain. That's, you know, CS Lewis says to love anything, you're going to have to open yourself up to hurt. But even just the example of, you know, think of a relationship that you have with someone where maybe there's, there's a wedge between you for some reason. Sometimes when you just try to put it under the rug, um, and just kind of move on and not really deal with it, you don't, you're not able to experience the fulfillment of that relationship to a level that you would if you had actually worked through, honestly, some of the pain between you guys. And so when you numb sort of the pain between you, it actually, you can't experience the joy that that relationship can bring either. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the sine waves, the, they go up the deeper the troughs, the higher the yeah. the, the peaks. Yeah, and when we dial it all down, math then, major over here. <laughs> yeah, um, when we when we squeeze it, we we lose some of that joy. And th- and the challenge is, when we've been hurt multiple times or in different ways, we want to put up walls. Yeah, 
so we don't get hurt again. Mm-hmm. And so therefore you you bar yourself from the opportunity of really deep gladness and intimacy and yeah because you don't want to feel anger or pain or rejection and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's scary and painful. Yeah, it's a hard place to be, but the, I think what we want to focus on today though is the joy and the gladness that comes from entering into that risk. Yeah. And to have the courage to do that. Yeah. So that segues somewhat to uh, just this question that we've have has come up in every episode as we've engaged in every feeling of just, and it, it feels weird to ask this, but what are impaired forms of gladness? I mean, is that even possible um, to think about unhealthy ways to relate to the emotion of gladness? But what do you guys think? Well, you've got a, a nice little outline and list for us, so I'll borrow from it a little bit, but you know, the distraction and entertainment piece. So I, I this is very real for me. If I want to escape, if I want to, uh, you know, not press into other things, I will seek out something that will bring me momentary gladness mm-hmm. or entertainment mm-hmm. even. And I, and I see enter this, the value using of, it to numb, numb the right. pain. Yes. Yeah. yeah elsewhere. To so I'll seek from the manufactured, pain. uh, mm-hmm. gladness or just, you know, just to distract myself and escape and find gladness mm-hmm. in that escape. But that is not, you know, it's a fault of mine, right? I'll, mm-hmm. I'll disappear into a soccer game or Twitter mm-hmm. or something like that. Just, and, and it, it gives me the dopamine hit. Right. Mm-hmm. Or it gives me the the ability to escape and be glad, not that I'm enjoying the soccer or the Twitter or the whatever, but I'm but that I'm escaping from something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really just it's just distraction. And unfortunately, our phones and things like that are good at doing that and, and oh, being yeah. a, and being a, a, a place of refuge uh, mm-hmm. to find temporary momentary gladness, even if it leaves me feeling empty later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I think the distinction of settling for substitutes mm-hmm. instead of gladness, because again, we're we're all for watching a good soccer game, a yes. great football game, or right. mm-hmm. a good movie, or enjoying a good meal. But when that becomes the the peak of our joy, mm. and we keep trying to get that, mm. and so we have to go to another good restaurant or escape to another book, that we're missing the richer, fuller thing that can come from the relationships around the meal or sharing yeah. a football game with a friend and and so we're again like you said manufacturing pleasure that is maybe a fix and again maybe a fix for something deeper yeah um so that's just going to take some reflection for us all to say like, okay why am i doing what am i what i'm doing um, what's it giving me just to tell on myself a little more before I was a Christian, I, we, I was very much into sort of a party, more of a party scene. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the things they do in movies, they wake up after a night of drinking and they say, I'm never drinking again. And what do they do later in the movie? They do it mm-hmm. again. Right? right. I mean, it's just like yeah. you say you're never going to do it again, but it's that, it's that manufactured and it's, it's sad to watch, you know, to, to be caught up in that. And then yeah. when you realize that you're caught up in that and you're just like, this is not, the answer. This is not where this comes from, but anyway, it's just kind of a funny cycle that you can get in. Yeah, I think you know, it's. I wasn't planning to say this, but it's something I've observed over the years living in a college town like I did in Florida, and it's. I find it fascinating, especially in the college scene, the frat scene. Like when your team loses, um, you know, what are the what do the people do? They go they go drink a lot to kind of maybe numb the pain of the loss. What do you do when your team wins? They do the exact same thing. Yeah. They go and get plastered. Yeah. And I'm just, I, I was kind of thinking through like, what is that? And and my theory is 
at a subconscious level they're they're realizing that even though their team won that that joy wasn't the fulfillment they thought it would be and so they still need that hit i don't know just a, a random thought that sparked that you that sparked it but um i just want to hit one that you put on here it's to cry over a dream shattered is harder but actually more fulfilling and will lead to more joy than watching Grey's Anatomy or a football game or whatever. And just thinking how we we want to avoid crying. Mm-hmm. I mean, recently I was talking to somebody experiencing a lot of pain in their life, and he said that, like, I'm tired of crying. I mm-hmm. don't want to cry anymore. And mm-hmm. so it, he's put this wall up. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there. Um, you know, you don't want to experience that pain, but that's what we're talking about, the risk of loving and being loved to no deeper gladness. Um, it, but it's it's scary and painful. We don't want the painful, so we settle for an impaired substitute. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think those are all really helpful things. I don't have much to add, but yeah, impaired forms of gladness. It's either manufacturing it um, or just using gladness to distract from pain. Um, and it's all forms of self-sufficiency, and I think that true gladness and joy um, comes through dependency as uh, the Psalms and the Bible show us. So I wanted to look at Psalm 84. There's a many places in the Psalms we could go, but I uh, thought Psalm 84 kind of captured some of these thoughts well. Um, psalm 84 is a Psalm about properly placed gladness. And uh, there was a definition that I came across recently. It's a definition of joy. And and as Dan said, we're kind of using joy and gladness interchangeably. Um, And it said that the quote, the definition said, joy is deep and durable gladness. And I loved that definition. Very simple, but yet profound. Deep and durable gladness. And this psalm, Psalm 84, really models both of those parts of what joy and what gladness really are um, at its root. So, you know, deep and durable gladness. So first of all, deep gladness. This psalm shows that. As So deep gladness as, as, as opposed to shallow gladness, which would be sort of more dependent on circumstances. Um, the word happy actually means, it comes from the word happenstance, which has this circumstantial nature to it. And and so it's a deep gladness, and it's deep because it's most, the gladness comes from something, uh, it comes from the Lord. The psalmist in Psalm 84 realizes that their deepest gladness is only going to be found in God's presence. Ten times in the 12 verses of Psalm 84, it talks about the courts of the Lord, the house of the Lord, mm-hmm. and um, just this orientation almost this redemptive tunnel vision that the psalmist has of needing to be in the presence of the lord it says my soul longs yes faints for the courts of the lord and then he envies the the birds the sparrows who can make a home in the courts of the lord in the temple of the lord and then at the end of the psalm it says for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere i mean think of where would if you could spend a thousand days anywhere where would it be he says a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere And if you can think of any job that you would love to have, he says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And so there's um, this deep gladness that he is showing that um, true joy is experienced when we are in the presence of the Lord, when we are experiencing the beauty of the Lord. 
Does this mean we shouldn't enjoy other things? No, of course not. We've already kind of hit on that. Um, it's just that we need to be careful to not look to those things for ultimate fulfillment um, and satisfaction. And C.S. Lewis's biography is, is a great example of this. Um, his book, Surprised by Joy, it gets a little autobiographical, and he talks about how his whole life, he became a believer later in life. He says his whole life was a pursuit of joy, but when he found Christ, he stopped looking for joy. So he looked for it in food and sex and entertainment and a great book and friendships, and all those things were good things, but he says they were all signposts, and he, he has this helpful illustration of a signpost. He says if, if you're lost in the woods and you try to find the way out, and you see a sign that points you out of the woods, you don't stand there and stare at the sign. You go to where it's pointed. And he uses that as an example of, you know, all created things are signposts pointing us to, to a greater mm-hmm. thing. There are lesser joys pointing us to the greatest joys. I've heard someone else say, we need to both look at something and look along it. Look at it and enjoy it, but also look along it. What is it pointing us to? A, a deeper... And greater joy, and it, if you if you notice, that's what that's the posture of the psalmist here mm-hmm. is that he's using his emotions and talking about them, his longings. What what were the deepest longings? And as he metabolizes them, he realizes what they're pointing to. I I long for this. I want. I need this. I desire this. And so as he's doing this out loud and slowing down and taking the time to do this to metabolize through what he's feeling, he's able to confess what he most wants mm. uh, because he's slow. Because he's able to metabolize and talk about it and yeah. and um, and actually be able to recognize the signposts. Slow down. He's he's his head's not down. Moving forward, he's up and observant and and trying to figure out what am I feeling and what does it point to. Yeah. Yeah, it made me think as you're reading that, you know, longing to dwell, where would you rather be? And I remember one summer in particular I had, we, my family, broader family rented a beach house and I had it on one of my favorite sites. So like each day I'd kind of click on it and look at the beach house and be like, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there. Um, on my weather apps, I have Naxos, which is where Debbie and I went uh, a couple summers ago and we just loved being there. So I keep the app up thinking like, oh, what would it be like to be there? Mm-hmm. And just thinking, you know, so many of our forefathers remind us to have this eschatological perspective, which means just look toward the end, Mm. you know, that this new heaven and new earth that God's going to make. And so it wasn't wrong for me to look at that or dream of going to Naxos as an intermediary of a place for rest and refreshment. But like the writer of Hebrews 4, we have this greater rest Mm. and just longing for that. And so I think the whole idea made me think of Psalm 73 verse 25 and 26 who do i have in heaven but you there's nothing on earth that i desire besides you my flesh and my heart may fail but god is the strength of my heart and my portion forever i mean this these are two verses i often pray for myself and for my family and for the church uh, which you reminded me is one of the proof texts for the first question of the catechism what's the chief end of man to glorify god and enjoy him forever and just having that longing beyond it because Again, I think we so often get frustrated. I see this a lot in marriage counseling. We, we, we're looking to our marriages to give us this deep and durable happiness, mm-hmm. but then it, they fall short. Or our children, and then when they go down paths we don't want for them, we're broken. You know, And so our joy, our happiness, our contentment seems based on circumstances. And so this is just a great reminder to me of needing to have 
the end of God's new heaven and new earth before me more than I do. Yeah, I think as we hold looser to the things that bring us happiness and and even or even joy, dare I say it, like relationships, like the even the most important things in our lives, as we hold looser to those things and give them over to the Lord, I think we have a better relationship with them. I think the looser mm-hmm. we hold our our marriages in terms of of, of surrendering it to the Lord, um, rather than c- having control over it ourselves as individuals, I think the more we're able to actually experience the the, mm-hmm. the little joys and tastes of heaven mm-hmm. that it, that that can come about in day to day life, whether that's a really happy moment like a graduation, or being able to be reconciled with your with your spouse who you've had an argument with, yeah. um, some of those tastes of heaven. Of, of eternity as we hold looser to those things and don't depend on them and put on them the weight that they were never meant to bear. Right. Uh, we actually enjoy them more. It's a paradox. Yeah. Seeing them as a gift from God rather than right. the end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. A rightly ordered relationship with the things of the earth. And, you know, C.S. Lewis talked about when we keep first things first, our, our joy in God, second things aren't diminished. They're actually enhanced. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it makes it richer, a richer marriage, richer friendships with your adult children, richer friendships with with brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, when it, they aren't ultimate. So that's a deep gladness. We're talking about a deep and durable gladness that Psalm 84 models, and it's so, first of all, a deep gladness. We are made to experience our greatest joy from God, but it's also a durable gladness that uh, this psalm models, and there's a there's a really... Um, really neat part halfway through the psalm verses five through seven says blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to zion as they go through the valley of baca they make it a place of springs the early rain also covers it with pools they go from strength to strength each one appears before god in zion so what is that talking about it says this it's talking about this valley of Baca, when they when those whose heart are set on Zion go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, and the early rain covers it with pools. So what is the valley of Baca referring to? There's competing ideas, but actually, whichever one you choose, it has the same effect. It, it could either mean a place of weeping, the valley of weeping, or Baca is also very close to the word for a, like a dry shrub, a, a type of tree that can last in a very barren land, which would imply that this valley is very dry, um, and so it's a wilderness. So either way, whether weeping or this dry shrub, it's this, this idea of the wilderness, going through the wilderness. This valley, of course, the valley is also an image of kind of something uh, difficult. And so it's the psalmist talking about as you go through those places, there's still a backbone of joy. It makes it a place of springs. This, this wilderness, it makes it a place of springs. Why? Because your heart is set on Zion. Hmm. Um, there's a joy that you can have that can make you help you go through the Valley of Bach. And I love also, it shows the kindness of God. It says the early rains also cover it with pools and, and, um, though there is a joy that can get us through any circumstance in Christ, God in his kindness also, what does the rain symbolize? It symbolizes God bringing other things. Um, and so God can bring us good things here on earth that, that help us cope as well. Um, but but it's, it's that heart set on Zion that makes it a place of springs. And what I love about this is, is notice it's not talking about avoiding the pain. It's not talking about going around the valley. It's talking about going through the valley. So the psalmist is not trying to manufacture joy. 
but the joy is actually increasing as it walks through the valley because their heart is set on Zion. Um, hmm. that's that, that's that idea of they go from strength to strength. That's kind of a difficult, um, phrase in the Hebrew, to, but, it, but the idea most commentators believe is just this building strength. The closer they get to Zion, the more their heart is set on Zion as they go through the valley, their strength builds. And so we see that the valley is part of the process that develops joy. Um, and we talked about that earlier, uh, when we were talking about impaired forms of gladness and how we can often numb and how actually walking through the pain can can actually bring more joy. Um, the Psalms show this. We talked about Psalm 126 when we talked about sadness and just that idea, sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And I think that Psalm is assuming that you go through the hard. You don't go around it, but you go through it and, and actually brings more joy. And so, um, you know, the, this Psalm is talking about how we are made for an eternal, we are an, we are an eternal being uh, made for a joy that will never end, that death cannot touch. You know, everything else in this world fades away. But Dan, kind of as you were saying, the best weekend we've, we've planned eventually comes to an end. Monday's here again. The best book we've read finally says the end. Our best friends, our spouse, they will eventually pass. You know, maybe your young athletic body, it will eventually wear down or, or adrenaline you have towards something will eventually wear out. And not to, of course, not to talk bad about any of those things, but but we need a durable gladness, something that has a foundation that cannot be shaken, that is uh, placed on, on the firm ground mm. that can make it through that valley of Baca. And so how do you access this? I think we've seen that, that this is not something that we manufacture in ourselves, but it's through dependence. It's receiving it. And the psalm shows that it's, it's something that is received. Um, and, and I think looking at Christ and, and how he, in many ways, um, is a fulfillment of this psalm, um, gives us all the more confidence that we can receive this joy. You know, Jesus had a joy it says in Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him, he endured endured the cross. So there was a joy that Jesus had that kept him enduring the real valley of Baca as he went through the cross. And and you know what it was? It was the thought of having us. It was the thought of, of um, what the work he was going to do was going to purchase the church. He stays on the cross because his death would birth his church. And what an encouraging um, picture of, of how much confidence we can have that that our joy uh, will be sure as we look to uh, God for that. Yeah, this reminds me really of Paul. You know, we just finished studying Philippians and trying to learn the secret of contentment and joy. And it was really having the mind of Christ who is willing to take on the nature of a servant, be humbled to the point of death on the cross. Mm-hmm. And that for us to find real joy comes from having the mind of Christ, which is dying to ourself and suffering. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he challenges us. It's your privilege to have faith and to suffer for the gospel. And, mm. and I don't want to suffer for the gospel. Like, I just want joy and gladness. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, but that's not what he tells us we're going to have on this side of eternity. And so expecting those other emotions that can lead us to deeper gladness and to keep our eyes, like Paul said, I, I press on towards the goal of the upward calling. I think Philippians and particularly two and three kind of map really beautifully over the Psalm. And for me are kind of like, so how do I do this? 
uh, I keep coming back and saying I need the mind of Christ. And, but I don't, in my inner being, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I just want the joy. I just yeah. don't want the sorrow. And I don't know about you guys, but I mean, it's just been a season with a lot of sorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was telling a friend, yeah, it's been a hard year. We'll get through it, but there's going to be scars, mm. you know, and uh, those scars are because we've loved and mm-hmm. we've had loss and, and yet the Lord is good and true. Um, I yeah. know that, though I don't always feel that. Yeah. 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 Well, um, man, uh, it was great to uh, start this podcast with you guys and, and hopefully we can get something else with it going in the future. But uh, for now, we're going to sign out on this season of uh, Psalms and the Gift of Emotions. We hope it was helpful to you. It certainly was to us. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to definitely engaging much more in, in uh, the adult Sunday school as that starts up again. We're excited about that. Um, but until uh, we meet again on this podcast, great again, uh, grace and peace to you all.